Section 15 of Mark Twain's Autobiography. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. New York, Thursday, February 15, 1906. Susie's Biography Continued. Death of Mr. Langdon. Birth of Langdon Clemens. From Susie's Biography. Papa wrote Mama a great many beautiful love letters when he was engaged to Mama, but Mama says I am too young to see them yet. I asked Papa what I should do, for I didn't know how I could write a biography of him without his love letters. Papa said that I could write Mama's opinion of them, and that would do just as well. So I'll do as Papa says, and Mama says she thinks they are the loveliest love letters that ever were written. She says that Hawthorne's love letters to Mrs. Hawthorne are far inferior to these. Mama and Papa were going to board first in Buffalo, and Grandpa said he would find them a good boarding-house but he afterwards told Mama that he had bought a pretty house for them and had it all beautifully furnished. He had also hired a young coachman, Patrick McAleer, and had bought a horse for them, which all would be ready waiting for them when they should arrive in Buffalo. But he wanted to keep it a secret from youth, as Grandpa called Papa, what a delightful surprise it was! Grandpa went down to Buffalo with Mama and Papa, and when they drove up to the house, Papa said he thought the landlord of such a boarding-house must charge a great deal to those who wanted to live there, and when the secret was told, Papa was delighted beyond all degree. Mama has told me the story many times, and I asked her what Papa said when Grandpa told him that the delightful boarding-house was his home. Mama answered that he was rather embarrassed and so delighted he didn't know what to say. About six months after Papa and Mama were married, Grandpa died. It was a terrible blow on Mama, and Papa told Aunt Sue he thought Livy would never smile again. She was so broken-hearted. Mama couldn't have had a greater sorrow than that of dear Grandpa's death, or any that could equal it except the death of Papa. Mama helped take care of Grandpa during his illness, and she couldn't give up hope till the end had really come. Note, August 6, 1870, S.L.C. Surely nothing is so astonishing, so unaccountable as a woman's endurance. Mrs. Clemens and I went down to Elmira about the first of June to help in the nursing of Mr. Langdon. Mrs. Clemens her sister, Susie Crane, and I did all the nursing both day and night during two months until the end. 
two months of scorching, stifling heat. How much of the nursing did I do? My main watch was from midnight till four in the morning, nearly four hours. My other watch was a midday watch, and I think it was only three hours. The two sisters divided the remaining seventeen hours of the twenty-four between them, and each of them tried generously and persistently to swindle the other out of a part of her watch. The on-watch could not be depended upon to call the off-watch, excepting when I was the on-watch. I went to bed early every night, and tried to get sleep enough by midnight to fit me for my work, but it was always a failure. I went on watch sleepy, and remained miserably sleepy and wretched straight along through the four hours. I can still see myself sitting by that bed in the melancholy stillness of the sweltering night mechanically waving a palm-leaf fan over the drawn white face of the patient. I can still recall my noddings, my fleeting unconsciousnesses, when the fan would come to a standstill in my hand, and I would wake up with a start and a hideous shock. I can recall all the torture of my efforts to keep awake. I can recall the sense of the indolent march of time, and how the hands of the tall clock seemed not to move at all, but to stand still. Through the long vigil there was nothing to do but softly wave the fan, and the gentleness and monotony of the movement itself helped to make me sleepy. The malady was cancer of the stomach and not curable. There were no medicines to give. It was a case of slow and steady perishing. At long intervals the foam of champagne was administered to the patient, but no other nourishment, so far as I can remember. A bird of a breed not of my acquaintance used to begin a sad and wearisome and monotonous peeping in the shrubbery near the window a full hour before dawn every morning he had no company he conducted this torture all alone and added it to my stock he never stopped for a moment i have experienced few things that were more maddening than that bird's lamentings during all that dreary siege I began to watch for the dawn long before it came, and I watched for it like the duplicate, I think, of the lonely castaway on an island in the sea who watches the horizon for ships and rescue. When the first faint gray showed through the window blinds, I felt as no doubt that castaway feels when the dim threads of the looked-for ship appears against the sky. I was well and strong, 
but I was a man and afflicted with a man's infirmity, lack of endurance. But neither of those young women was well nor strong. Still, I never found either of them sleepy or unalert when I came on watch. Yet, as I have said, they divided seventeen hours of watching between them in every twenty-four. It is a marvelous thing. It filled me with wonder and admiration, also with shame for my dull incompetency. Of course, the physicians begged those daughters to permit the employment of professional nurses, but they would not consent. The mere mention of such a thing grieved them so that the matter was soon dropped and not again referred to. All through her life Mrs. Clemens was physically feeble, but her spirit was never weak. She lived upon it all her life, and it was as effective as bodily strength could have been. When our children were little she nursed them through long nights of sickness, as she had nursed her father. I have seen her sit up and hold a sick child upon her knees and croon to it and sway it monotonously to and fro to comfort it a whole night long without complaint or respite. But I could not keep awake ten minutes at a time. My whole duty was to put wood on the fire. I did it ten or twelve times during the night but had to be called every time, and was always asleep again before I finished the operation, or immediately afterward. No, there is nothing comparable to the endurance of a woman. In military life she would tire out an army of men, either in camp or on the march. I still remember with admiration that woman who got into the overland stagecoach somewhere on the plains when my brother and I crossed the continent in the summer of 1861, and who sat bolt upright and cheerful stage after stage, and showed no wear and tear. In those days the one event of the day in Carson City was the arrival of the overland coach. All the town was usually on hand to enjoy the event. The men would climb down out of the coach, doubled up with cramps, hardly able to walk, their bodies worn, their spirits worn, their nerves raw, their tempers at a devilish point. But the women stepped out smiling and apparently unfatigued from Susie's biography. After Grandpapa's death, Mama and Papa went back to Buffalo, and three months afterward dear little Langdon was born. Mama named him Langdon after Grandpapa. He was a wonderfully beautiful little boy, but very, very delicate. He had wonderful blue eyes, but such a blue that Mama has never been able to describe them to me so that I could see them clearly in my mind's eye. His delicate health 
was a constant anxiety to mamma and he was so good and sweet that that must have troubled her too as i know it did end of section 15 new york thursday february 15 1906